major depression has been well documented. But what was the cause? Or should we even look for the cause? We'll ask these questions of our guest, Joshua Wolfshank, author of Lincoln's Melancholy, when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. How much time each day do you spend managing your personal or business calendar? 15 minutes, a half an hour, maybe more. Is the conference room available for next week's meeting? And how many people do you have to ask to find out? Have you ever misplaced or, worse yet, lost your day planner or handheld device? And what do you do about that missing information? Do you own or operate a salon or carpets cleaning business? How about a realty office or any one of a thousand other service-based organizations? Can your customers make their appointments even when your office is closed? If any of this sounds familiar, then Schedule Online is the solution for you. For more information, call toll-free 888-668-3355. That's 888-668-3355. Or visit us online at www.scheduleonline.com. Before we return to our riveting drama, our sponsor insists that we listen to a radio show about television. I'm Jim Benson, host of A Different Sort, as I direct you toward a galaxy of TV memories guaranteed to leave you spellbound while I present many of the greatest legends in television history on the TV Time Machine, every Wednesday beginning at 4 p.m. right here on World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back. Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Joshua Wolfshank, author of Lincoln's Melancholy, How Depression Challenged a President and Fueled His Greatness. We talked in our first segment about some of the background, some of the known things about Abraham Lincoln and his tendency toward depression, in particular the episode in 1835 when shortly after the death of Anne Rutledge of New Salem, Lincoln himself lost his uh, composure, his bearings for some time. There was a second episode in Lincoln's life when he was uh, confined to his room with with, uh, a a black, uh, depressed mental state. Uh, Tell us, that was 1841, I believe. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Absolutely. It's it's, It's very similar in many respects to to the first episode in the sense that there's a combination of, of great uh, social stress. Um, you know, in, in, in the summer of 1835, you have all these people dying and, and this, this terrible weather and, and also a young man who's just at the start of a, of a, of a political career and, and, and studying for the law, leaving behind one world, entering a new one. In 1840, the winter of 1840 and 41, Lincoln's... Uh, political career was in a tr- tremendous uh, stress because of the crisis in the the Illinois state economy and the, it, it, the contribution to it by this internal improvements program that Lincoln had championed so eagerly. It was just a total wreck. 
his law career was exceedingly uncertain because his partner and he were, were dissolving their, their 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 bond, and his social and romantic life was in absolute disarray. Um, with with his his closest friend getting ready to leave Springfield, uh, his his and and the question of who he who he would marry, um, uh, just plaguing him and. You know, anyone with even a passing familiarity of Lincoln's life knows that he had a very troubled courtship uh, with with Mary Todd, later Mary Mary Lincoln. All these things came together in the winter of 1840-41. And again, you see Lincoln suicidal and depressed. And this time, we have a mix of recollected uh, material and also on-the-ground reporting, so to speak, letters written from Springfield, Lincoln's own letters even, and, and one of which he, he declares himself the most miserable man living and, and talks about, you know, that he, he, can't, he can't go on unless he feels better, and yet he fears that he will never feel better. And um, he, he did submit himself to the care of a physician and missed work for about a week or ten days, and, and then came back and started working again, but but seemed somehow um, changed from the experience and uh, very ground down and sober, and apparently you know had these questions on his mind for um, for for many months, if not years, of you know that had been provoked by this by this depression. The the irony is that you know it's when we when we see his life. In, a, in, a, in its full dimension, we see that the very questions he's asking that, that cause such um, distress. You know, what what makes life worth living, and what do I have to offer, and 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 how can I possibly live a decent life to, in the face of all the suffering? These are the the very same questions that 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 played such a big role in Lincoln's uh, distinguished political career. He's someone who who wasn't just trying to get along he he was asking himself the the very hardest questions a person can ask and he and he and he continued to do that all through his life he broke things down to the to the basics and and he 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 responded from a real core so we have this similarity then with 1835 where these this life-changing moment uh, comes upon him we also have the similarity of the, the same uh, controversy underlying it. Scholars have wondered for years uh, what exactly went on between uh, Abraham Lincoln and Mary Todd in their first engagement, uh, which breaks up right about that time. Or the letter Lincoln later writes where he refers to the fatal 1st of January, yes. uh, 1841. Scholars have speculated back and forth. Uh, was that the, the breakup with Mary? Was that Joshua Speed leaving town? Uh, Selling his store, uh, Lincoln bidding farewell to his best friend. Was it something in the legislature? And you've taken the same approach here, uh, of saying, "Well, we don't know, but we do know how Lincoln responded." And let's look right at that. Yeah, uh, we can tell the story as much as we can. I mean, all those things are real possibilities, and 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 I think it contributes it contributes to a, an understanding of what life was like for him, which is extremely important. And, and and yes, as you say, ultimately, you know, we we have these facts that that for whatever reason, he he did have a, another very serious depression and and one that um, 
that seems to have, have really led him to the brink even more than the, than the previous case, asking these fundamental questions about what he would live for. And, 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 and indeed, he, after, after preparing to issue the, the final uh, Emancipation Proclamation, he referred to that breakdown, and, and, and he referred to his, the questions that he had asked about you know, how he could live a meaningful life. And he 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 said that the that this measure for for freedom of uh, African American slaves was was the realization of that purpose. So this was something that was clearly on his mind. And he believed when he when he signed that document, he said, "This uh, if my name goes down in history, it will be for this act." Yes. Uh, he he thought he'd be remembered. And and I believe you point out in your book that when he is in his depression in 1841. One of the reasons he doesn't uh, take take the drastic step of killing himself is that he feels he nobody would remember him. He hasn't done anything yet. That's right. With which by which the world will forever remember him. Yeah, I appreciate the you 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 put it differently than I usually do, but I think that's really the way I usually put it is I say that you know he would he he would have killed himself, but but that he thought. There was something waiting for him to do. Mm-hmm. But the way you just put it actually strikes me as, as, as perhaps, um, is just as likely and maybe more likely, although it could have been a combination too, that that you know he, he if he if he killed himself then that he would be that he would have no legacy, he would have that his life would be entirely pointless, um, and that he would press on you know even for the for the for the. The, the the slight possibility that he could that he could uh, have some kind of memory. So uh, it's two sides of the same coin: the positive one that there's something yet I must do, or something negative I I haven't done anything yet. I've got to I've got to do something first. That's 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 just right. And, and meanwhile, both these are very different ways of thinking from from the way a lot of people approach the world. People say, "Well, my life will be worth living if I if I'm good to my family." My life will be worth living if I, you know, if, if I if I do such and such. Lincoln is thinking of, in such grand terms that his life will be worth living if he does something significant for his fellow men, such that he'll be remembered um, through the ages, connected to to that good act. It's it's um, spectacularly ambitious and also um, spectacularly isolated view in the sense that. You know, he's not thinking about his immediate friends and, and, and family. He's thinking on this very grand scale. It's an interesting point that, that Lincoln is, is uh, I, arrogant is not quite the word, uh, but, but he, he sees himself on this enormous stage. Yeah, I think it's, the word is grandiosity. And, yes. and there is an a, a, uh, overlap between grandiosity and depression. Um, that is a bit hard to get at, but it's, it shows up there over and over again. People um, uh, who are just pressed to the absolute depths of gloom also have an idea of, you know, um, spectacularly, you know, ambitious notions. And that's why a lot of, you know, great therapies are emphasize humility um, so much. Uh, and... You know, this this actually became a, a, a major part of Lincoln's own 
self-directed therapy, so so to speak, um, paying attention to the particulars of his life, um, showing up for work, uh, doing the small things he could do, and resigning himself, uh, as he did in his middle years, to the the likelihood that he wouldn't, um, you know, have such a a, a dramatic uh, success as he had dreamed about as a young man, and he and he learned to live with it. He he he. He, even though it was very difficult, he learned how to take care of himself and endure and adapt to his suffering uh, with his humor and his poetry and his work. Well, let me ask you about that. He, he, after these two episodes of depression, we don't see another similar episode, one where he's absolutely incapacitated for a week at a time. We never see another one the rest of his life, and it's very well, his life is pretty well documented after that. Even though compared to the misfortune of uh, maybe a girlfriend dying or uh, your best friend moving away or your engagement breaking up, the rest of his life is filled with the the death of 600,000 young men, uh, the the country torn apart by war, his own uh, beloved son dying. These are much worse than the things he suffered earlier, and yet the depression, the major depression, does not recur. How does that happen? The, you know, the the first stage of this story are these two breakdowns that we've discussed at length. Mm-hmm. The second stage is Lincoln's response to 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 these breakdowns and his very deliberate and insistent effort to to learn how to live in the real world. And the, he developed in in that in those middle years a, a phenomenal discipline um, and uh, a kind of muted. Um, sense um, that he he could express himself only in some kind of form, um, and that and that and that some things needed to to not be expressed. I mean, the main expression of Lincoln's melancholy in his middle years um, is kind of as the the underbelly of this of this famous humor. You know, everyone loved his jokes and stories, and he would say that I need these I need these because they're my uh, you know that they give vent to my moods and gloom, um, but he, and also for, he was known for these spells where he would sit quietly with his hands in his face or uh, his knees drawn to his chest. But um, the, what's what's distinctive about these stories is that he they're always uh, you know in the morning before the bell rings for breakfast or in the in the courtroom while someone else is arguing a case. It, it's not someone missing work. It's someone uh, in the context of a of daily routines and and exchanges. Um, and the, you know, he became you know a young man who was known as one of the most valuable and expressive and emotional people anyone knew. Became known as one of the most disciplined. And you know, as Hernan said, he's he's one of the most shut mouth. He's the most shut mouth man I ever knew. These. These are part of a of a these are these things are both true of him and they're part of a an ongoing story. What happened in the war years is is yet another stage because here you see both these sides. You see a man who is a profoundly disciplined and quiet and self-effacing and and looking to the to the broader purpose of things, and a man who is uh, enormously prone to 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 you know. To, to profound emotion, 
um, crying when he hears of the death of soldiers and friends and, and uh, going on and on about the death of his son, not to the point of missing work and being incapacitated, but, but certainly to the point of, of making a spectacle of himself. And, you know, these things come together, and they're part of what made him so great, that he was able to feel the depth of the pain around him so, so intensely, and he was able to keep, his, keep himself together enough to keep working. Uh, the story that I love that, that helps articulate the, the, these two things happening at the same time comes from his friend, uh, Senator Browning, who, who, whose diary is a great source uh, for some more studies and for Lincoln. And Browning came to the White House, I think, in 1862 one time and found Lincoln so distressed and upset that, that Browning was worried. And this, he, Browning knew Lincoln pretty well, so it, it must have really taken something special for him to be worried. He thought Lincoln looked like he was dying, and he told Lincoln that he needed to take care of himself because the country was depending on him. And Lincoln reached out and took his hand and said, Browning, I must die sometime, suggesting that 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 he was, you know, preoccupied with, with with a sense of his own demise, and yet the the detail in the in the in the passage that that stands out in, in the midst of this very gloomy portrait is that when Browning came into Lincoln's study, he found him writing, and you look at the in the collected works around the time of that visit, and you see a number of very important uh, state papers, and. The idea that he is, you know, sitting there with a with a with a with a pad and, and a and a and a hard surface to write on on his lap, as he often wrote, um, doing both these things at the same time, thinking about the, the the biggest and most difficult things that a person can think about, feeling them personally um, and acutely, and also doing this work. This is the to me the image of of, of Lincoln, the, the the war president, and it's it's not. You, it, this doesn't fit with any definition you could find in a textbook, but it is a story that shows up a lot. And I, it's, I've heard from a number of very, um, uh, you know, high-performing people, leaders in business, and and artists who perform at a at an, at an extremely high level, and they 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 say that this is very familiar to them. That it, that it that it is all part of the same picture, very often. Um, and it's, I think it's, it, it's, it's, it continues to be surprising to me because it, it, it's just so at odds with the dominant portrait in our culture, which is there is illness and there is health, and there's, there's no, you know, that they, that they don't have anything to do with one another. And, and so the idea that depression can be a fuel for greatness is indeed uh, a, a new way of looking at this. Uh, we're going to talk more about this in just another minute. We're going to take a short break. Our guest today is Joshua Wolfshank, author of Lincoln's Melancholy, How Depression Challenged a President and Fueled His Greatness. We'll come back and talk more when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. 